Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And I'm excited for us to wrap up our month of celebrating all things bold, black, and beautiful. We have been listening and engaging in storytelling of power and purpose and passion. And so I'm so excited that our guest this session has entitled our last episode, The Three Ps of Life, Pain, Passion, and Purpose. And let's uh, have an introduction to our guest. We are going to be talking with Dr. John Tyus. He is an engaging and inspirational community leader, charismatic conference and motivational speaker. He is an author and the executive director and founder of the ID Movement and Tyus Consulting, LLC. He's also received the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Social Justice Award of Ohio. Dr. Tyus founded a leadership and character development organization entitled the ID Movement, aiming to inspire and develop fatherless men into positive male models for their families and their communities. The ID Movement has staged and produced community events and conversations such as the ID Movement Presents, a conversation with fathers, which gathered faith-based leaders in the community to discuss their life stories, growing up without fathers, and how to overcome adversity. Dr. Tyus and these community conversations have been covered and featured on radio, news, and television outlets such as Bounce TV, Joy 107.1, WBNS, 10 TV News, Magic 95.5, and Telemundo. Dr. Tyus is the author and publisher of three books. The ID Movement presents Voices of the Fathers, Letters to the Millennial Leader, Columbus Edition, Mind Elevation, A Guide to Improving Your Mental Diet in 30 Days, and Voices of the Sons, Letters from the Emerging Leaders, the Columbus edition. He's also served serves as senior pastor at World Conquerors through Jesus Christ Ministries in Columbus, Ohio. I am so excited about this conversation and we welcome to the show Dr. John Tyus. Welcome to the show. Wow, so excited about being here. Thank you, Dr. V, for having me. I'm excited to be on flip side of adversity. I'm excited to jump into this conversation. It is going to be, I think, a story, a conversation, um, a journey that many people um, struggle with, uh, parts Mm -hmm. of their story without having a father, um, feeling stuck and lost, without that part of their life. 
And you have such a powerful story of inspiration, but I also feel based on your authorship and your intentionality with your organizations, you have some strategies and tools to help individuals move from a place of adversity to a place of thriving. And so let's kind of jump into this because you entitled this episode, The Three Ps of Life, Pain, Passion, and Purpose. So how important is pain to someone's journey in life? Wow. So we, we, we're going to start right there, right? Uh, we are. So, we're going to jump up because it's the first word, right? So I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so when you're dealing with pain, I, I think pain is something that most people avoid. Most people push underneath the rug. Most people try not to deal with. I think we even subconsciously try not to deal with it because of the memory that's associated with it. Um, but I think personally that pain is deeply connected to what your calling is in life. And uh, I believe you can't truly have a calling without first having pain. Um, and what you decide to deal with and how you decide to deal with that pain is directly related to you accomplishing your why um, of, of life. And um, pain is extremely important. Most people avoid it, but the people that reach purpose embrace it. And I truly, truly believe that. And that, that that's a personal thing for me as well. I had to embrace my pain in order for me to reach my purpose as well. There's so many people that I think of um, who are very successful and mm -hmm. will often point to that moment in time when, when they had to endure something hard. They mm -hmm. had to process um, what that meant to them and then used it as a catalyst for their next Oftentimes in the work that we do, we talk about the power of processing. And so I feel like there's a synergy or con connection to what you just shared mm -hmm. that not only is it the pain, but how you process it that can mm -hmm. lead you into uh, purpose and I think also passion. So when you mm -hmm. when you're talking about understanding or leveraging your pain, how does that then lead into someone being becoming driven to connect with their purpose? Uh, yeah, so I, I think again, pain is the foundation that everybody is is fed in in a sense. But the next level is passion. Some people, uh, people always ask me actually, uh, how do I get to my purpose in life? You know, I, I feel personally that God created me to be on this planet for something and I don't know why. One of the questions that I ask people is um, <clears throat> what, what, what angers you, right? And uh, what makes you so angry that you feel like you need to provide a solution for? Um, and what is something that you absolutely can't stand? What is something that affects you personally that grinds your gears for the lack of a better term? Right. And I believe pain is a part of that because it gives us a testimony. It gives us a moment in life that we can reference and have a good point of reference in connection to our purpose. Um, so the real way of touching people is to be able to connect to people and people will not connect to you without them experiencing your pain. 
A lot of people want to put on this facade as if they have it all together. And to be quite honest with you, no one has everything together. And I think what we have to do um, as influencers, as authors, as leaders, is be honest with people, especially in this upcoming generation, that you know, you need to embrace your pain and none of us have it together. And we are all on this journey to purpose and purpose isn't a destination. It's the journey to get there. Right. And so one of my biggest issues was destination addiction, always mm. thinking that the best thing is in the next thing and then missing out on the now thing. That is something that you deal with once you tap into purpose and you start to tap into your passion because you always are running and you miss the moments that you're supposed to have and embrace. And so pain is very important and passion comes. You can either what you do with it. Are you going to be angry or are you going to produce change? Those are the two things that come together. Yes. Are you going to be angry? What are you going to do with the pain? Um, and so the ability to process what it has meant. Oftentimes when I'm working with clients, I get the same question all the time as well. And one of the first things I also, it, it feels like we have a synergy here, is I often ask them, what's the pain point? What's mm -hmm. the pain point of the people you are trying to add value to? And mm -hmm. people oftentimes want to recognize whether or not you have been through anything that you can relate and understand the struggle that you're trying to help me solve. And if mm -hmm. everything is polished in your life, then they're not actually going to believe that you are relevant enough, mm -hmm. you are not connected enough to the reality yes. of their story for them to take any advice that mm -hmm. you have. Mm -hmm. And that leads me into unpacking with you. You do have a relevant story. You have a, a flip side story that mm -hmm. we alluded to in your bio. How would you say your experiences have helped you become so intentional with the powerful impact you're making? Great question. So to be quite honest with you, everybody has their pain points. But one of mine uh, was obviously, I, I think you can kind of tell from the ID movement that I grew up without my father in my life, right? And uh, we know the statistics. We know 85% of young men that grow up without their fathers end up in behavioral institutions, you know, and uh, like over 70% of uh, young men that grow up without their dads drop out of school, you know. I mean, it's it's some horrible statistics out there that have the common thread of the need for a father in the lives of young men. And it's a whole nother world when you're dealing with fatherless daughters, which I had to also research for my doctoral dissertation. You got something to say right there. Let me see. No, <laughs> I, I'm hoping I know that you have a whole platform for fatherless males, but I'm hoping yes. we will have time to also talk about fatherless daughters. It, yes. It. Oh, Yes, indeed. Okay, I I I, I interrupt. You. <laughs> you good? You good? So, that was good. So yeah, it, it's it's we definitely need to discuss both. We'll get there for sure. Um, but me, my father. Actually, I had a great father. My father was phenomenal. My father was in the home. My father loved my mother. 
Um, my dad was the pastor of the church now that I am the senior pastor of. So he started the ministry. My mother took over the church um, after he died and then passed it on to me just last year. So I'm, I'm, I'm less than a year as a senior pastor. And so um, it's a legacy thing as well, feels like, but you know. <laughs> But growing up without my father in my life, my father, uh, actually going back, I remember my father calling the whole family down for a family meeting. Um, and I was about seven years old. I'm the youngest of three. So my older brother and older sister came downstairs and my dad sat in his big red chair, which he typically sat in. Nobody sat in dad's chair. That was dad's chair. And he sat in there and mom was standing next to him. I'll never forget it. She was standing to his right. And she was crying. I did not know why. And dad began, my dad was a 6'4", strong black man, um, there for his family, amazing, uh, awesome. And my dad began to, to tell us that, you know, the stomach pains that I've been having, um, I went to the doctor and they said it was cancer, it was colon cancer to be exact. And my sister busted out crying. My, my brother was uh, didn't know what was going on. And me, I was only seven. I had no clue what was going on. And I remember literally squeezing an orange stress ball at that point, playing with it, but not understanding the stress that I will experience in my life to come. And, um, and that was the seed of, of a lot of stress points that I would experience as time went. So I saw my dad go from this 240-pound male to 160 pounds in about six months worth of time. Uh, dropped all his weight. Um, my dad was highly intelligent. Saw him talking out of his mind because of the different type of medications he was taking. And I saw my father pass. And I grew up and I was angry with life and I didn't know how to express the anger. I had displaced anger. And so what a lot of mothers will experience is that their sons are dealing with anger that they can't identify why, and they don't know how to deal with it. And so I was flunking out of school. I was getting F's and D's in school. I was told by my teacher, uh, uh, a month after my father passed that I would never be anything in life. She pulled me aside in, in front of the entire class and said, John is an idiot. He'll never be anything in life. Uh, I, I know. <laughs> you oh, got what you got. My, my whole soul just like cringed. Um, like yeah. the, the lack of empathy. And I mm -hmm. think it actually makes me think of young people today. Mm -hmm. And how the lack of empathy, the lack of understanding, the lack of space to be fully seen mm -hmm. and valued and to to help them feel safe. We yeah. miss those moments. Mm. Oh, my heart just cringed as I was listening. But yeah. yeah. So so she was telling me um because my, my worst classes was math and science. You know, I'm a history and English person, but math and science, I was horrible in and. I, I remember telling her, hey, uh, I'm, I have my, I know this. I know I've been studying this specific math problems. And so I got this. And she said, good, John, go ahead and go get your pencil out of your locker. Come back and show me. I ran out of the room. And then I realized that the pencil was in my book bag and the book bag was still in the room that I, I just left. So I didn't take as much time. I turned right back around. And as I grabbed the doorknob and began to open it, I heard her telling the whole class that John was an idiot. John wasn't going to be anything in life. And that boy is a stupid boy. 
um, it, it destroyed me in a lot of ways. Um, but I needed the pain because it needed to create passion and it needed to lead it to my purpose. Um, the pain I thought was there to destroy me, but I didn't understand that the pain was really my gift because it was connected to what I needed to do. And then the passion was going to drive me when other things was falling through the cracks, you know, that was the fuel that kept me going. Um, when everything else seemed to be falling around me, heading to my purpose. So, so how did you how did you actually bounce forward from that? What was your yeah. flip that or and I'm sure it wasn't just one moment, but mm. what were some of the key flips that you were able to make to move from a, a devastating moment where an adult lacked the responsibility of understanding the power and the influence that they had. How did you create a flip from there? Yeah. And this may not be the most popular uh, explanation to that, but I'm going to be real. And uh, because my story is my story, right? So I remember uh, going through high school, almost flunking out of high school. Um, going to Columbus State, which is a community college here in Columbus, and um, being put on academic probation two times. They said, if you get on ac- academic probation one more time, we're kicking you out of the school. Now, if you if you can't make it in Columbus State, you, you probably just can't make it in school. This might not be your calling, right? But, but for me, I was flunking out. My girlfriend at the time was cheating on me. Uh, I saw my friend. It was all bad. It was so, Dr. Oh me. It was bad. It was everything was going wrong. Right? Oh. I was like, what did I do that was so wrong, Lord? Right? And so uh, my girlfriend was cheating. I walked in on her with another man. Lord have mercy. Help me. Uh, and I'm a good guy. Like, I'm not lying. I'm not just saying that just to say that. I'm a really good guy. I'm like, why would you do it to me of all people? Um, I'm flucking out of school. Um my depression was starting to sit in. I was heavy. I didn't realize what was my why in life. I was at my all-time low. I had friends that was going to the University of Cincinnati, and they seemed to be excelling. Everybody around me was doing better but me. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point that I got so low that I said it was no other thing for me to do but to look up. And I began to pray. Mm-hmm. I went into my own prayer closet, closed the, uh, closed the door to people that was around me. And I said, Lord, give me the strength, you know, to find myself. Show me who I am because you created me. So you know why you created me. Show me why and give me the strength to do it. Right. And from that point, I started there and it was almost like God's presence was my therapy. Mm-hmm. And then my mind began to change. I began to cut off people in my life. I went to the girlfriend and said, you know what? Um, I finally mustered up enough strength. And we know how toxic relationships are. I was going yeah. back and forth with this girl a lot. And she was cheating on me consistently. It wasn't just once. It wasn't twice. It was often. And I mustered up enough strength to say, you know what? I'm better than this. And uh, I cut off her. I cut off a lot of friends that weren't doing things that were well in my life and um, weren't, weren't good for me, rather. And at that point, I began to pick up books that spoke about purpose. Picked up books from people like Dr. Miles Monroe that spoke about the power of vision, the purpose of manhood, 
And as I began to get my healing, because at that point previous to that, I was just operating out of pain. And then when I began to get my healing, I began to get passionate about people that have suffered with what I've suffered with. And I said, you know what? People can become better. My grades went from F's and D's to A's and B's. I was on the fast track of becoming who I am today. And it was almost like the I went from a boy to a man overnight because of a decision to invest into my spirit. And as a result of that, everything changed. School changed. Uh, I, I went on to do all this stuff. I went into real estate. I went into all these things. And I had a vision for my life. I asked God for it. I wrote down my 10-year goals back in, at when I was 19 years old. And at 29, I was doing 90% of what I wrote down. And because I started to change my mind and mm -hmm. God took my pain and he turned it into passion and he took my passion and turned it into purpose. And he told me one thing and many people may not agree. I'm not trying to be super religious. This is just my story. I was in prayer and God told me one thing and I wrote down in my prayer book in my journal. He said, if you don't allow me to heal your past, it will forever be your present which will kill your future. Absolute truth. Yeah. Absolute truth. And I think that is so, it resonates so much because oftentimes when I am coaching and working with people, they mm -hmm. avoid the pain because they don't want to go back and remember. They don't want to mm -hmm. feel it again. And the fear that if I feel it again and I start crying, I'm never going to stop. Like, I'm not going to be able to reel it back in and mm -hmm. um, reconnect with the control that I've been able to kind of armor up and have. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that not realizing that that armor that they're putting on not only is keeping out whatever they believe is the thing that's going to attack, destroy, or continue to perpetuate the pain, but it's also locking in mm -hmm. all the things that mm -hmm. are the brilliant, authentic, mm -hmm. shining elements of who they mm -hmm. are. And so you've got to be willing to break through that armor Mm -hmm. process that pain so that mm -hmm. the brilliance of who you were originally meant to be has space mm -hmm. to come out, has That's space right. to come out. We only have about two minutes before we take our first break, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't had a chance to ask you yet about the ID movement, mm -hmm. but it's profound to me how much energy the enemy mm -hmm. was using to mm -hmm. distort your identity, your ID, mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. order to sabotage your future. And mm -hmm. that shift, there's so many people walking around who don't know who they are. Mm. Come on. I'm getting ready. I know I'm going to ask you something big, and we could do a part one and part two. Mm -hmm. But for those who are walking around with an ID card that was given to them by the enemy, mm. what would you say to them before we take this first break? Two minutes. So probably a minute and a half right now. <laughs> That's a heavy one, Dr. V. I know, I know but, we can do a part one, part two, but... <laughs> 
No, but you know, I think we're all given an ID card in the beginning anyway, but everybody gets to a point in their life when they have to realize that the ID that they have is a fake identity. It's not really who they are. They have to be able to realize that based off the track record of the identity that they have pretty much agreed to. This is what I've lived all my life. I've experienced this much pain. It has to be more to life than this. And there is. And there is more to life than this. But the reason is we walk around, like you said, with the wrong identification card. And there is a whole new piece of life and a whole new identity that comes through inspiration and development. As you develop yourself, as you move into inspiration, you discover and tap into who you truly are. Instead of asking people what you do in life, we should ask people, why are you? That's the real question, you know. Uh, and so that, that goes into relationships, which is another thing. But but that is a big, heavy question, and I'm sure I'm out of time. So <laughs> we can get in deeper later. You did it perfectly because we actually <laughs> even have 20 more seconds. And so I want people, as we get ready to take this break, mm-hmm. I know they're already intrigued to know more about you. As we go into this break, tell them a website that they can begin to jot down so that they stay connected. Well, right now our website is being uh, redone. So it is the idmovement.org and drjohntyus.com. But that is being redone. So if you go there and it's not up right now, we're still working on that again. But Dr. John Tyus on all social media platforms, the ID movement on all social media platforms as well. And there you have it. We will be right back. Life is now in session. Are you present? We don't get a dress rehearsal in life. So why not grab every moment you can to grow? Join me every first Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific for our live webinars. We're creating a growth plan and unpacking the 15 invaluable laws of growth by John Maxwell. Instead of waiting for growth to just happen by accident, let's get intentional about creating a growth plan for you. Let's do it together. Log in to www.livingstrongllc.com and grab your spot for first Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 Pacific. And let's grow together. It's your time. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison 
and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit SandraCoats.com for more information. This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back to the flip side of adversity. We have been talking with Dr. John Tyus, and he's been telling our, his story of recognizing when you are carrying a fake ID. And we're going to walk into understanding what are the tools we need that are necessary to trade in our fake ID for the authentic identity we all were born to live out. Even though we've encountered pain, we have a passion and a purpose tied to our lives that will connect with our why and be able to be a legacy that lives beyond us. So Dr. Tyus, it has been a powerful conversation. I'm like on the edge of my seat. My soul got crushed by your previous educator and then you pulled me back up by challenging us to not just talk about who you are, but why you are. And now we were just talking about that um, fake ID and the opportunity to really walk out of your pain into passion and purpose and begin to sort out what your authentic ID is. Can you recap anything? And then is there more that you'd like to add on to that? Yeah, sure. So when you're dealing with um, your fake ID, and we, we talked a lot about your pain and how your pain is really your gift to be able to launch you into your purpose. Um, now, between pain and purpose, you develop passion and you dropped a great word in there, which is another P, which is process. Um, and you have to be able to follow this process and this journey on this road to purpose. And we learned as well that you know, purpose is not just the destination, but it's really the journey. And we're all evolving and growing um, as we get into this thing called life, right? And so when you walk around with a fake ID, that's the ID that we spoke about that's given to you in the beginning. And that is uh, uh, given to you. You can't, you can't, you can't say how, what type of family you want to be in. You can't say what type of house you want to be grown up in. I mean, these things are given to us. And as a result of this, there's purpose trapped into all of those bad moments that we want to avoid. That is the ID that's given to us first. But once we discover that there's something more for us, we, we have to begin to feed life into those bad areas. There's something I always tell some of my clients or some of my members or whatever, you know, uh, that, that you, you are what you eat. That means whatever you consume, you will reproduce, you know. Um, so if you want to consume life, you're going to reproduce life. That was something that changed with me. With me, I began to read books that spoke life to me. I began to turn off certain music that wasn't feeding me. 
I began to change my tribe, which is friends that I was hanging around that weren't going where I needed to go. All of these things changed my feeding tube and what I was feeding my spirit. And as a result of that, I began to produce something different because whatever you feed will live and whatever you starve will die. Mm-hmm. Powerful, yeah. powerful. So this, I feel like you made some amazing shifts and flips mm-hmm. and that that has led to an entire platform um, mm-hmm. business uh, connection conversations called the ID movement. Can you tell us more about what the movement is and what mm-hmm. you hope to happen because you have created it? Yeah, for sure. So the ID movement was, and, and again, this is my story. It was given to me in a moment of prayer, right? And I saw a big, I saw the ID movement and it came to me. It just hit me. Wow. The ID movement. And I saw thousands of men with their hands raised trying to figure out what their identity was. Who am I? And they were suffering from the same thing that I was suffering with. I was trying to figure out my why as well. And um, I was trying to attach the ID movement after prayer to everything. And it didn't work. Right. So I had this idea and I had this vision, but I didn't know where to place the vision. And um, as a result, as I went along, I got into my doctoral program at United uh, Theological Seminary. And, and as I was re- redoing my, my journey and, write- and writings and research, um, the IE movement was birthed from there, honestly, as well. So I had to do my research and I wanted to save all the guys in the world. I just wanted to save men in general because I have a passion for I have a passion for people. But at that point, my heart was really being pulled to helping men discover themselves. I was tired of seeing men walk around with anger and no identity. Talk of, uh, tired of seeing men walk around with all of these facades and um, are scared really to be themselves was, you know, bruised by their past. And so they couldn't get past it. And I saw our women hurting because men were doing these types of things. And so um, I said, you know what? I wanted to help all types of men, but I needed to narrow it down as I got into the research phase because my dissertation would have been probably like 1,200 pages uh, if I wanted to talk about all men. And so um, I narrowed it down to really focusing on fatherless African-American men in a postmodern era, right? And so from that point, I began to do research on the impact of fatherlessness, specifically on our young boys of color, and how does it change them? How does it impact them? How does it impact the community and their families? How does their mothers feel about this? You know, how does it impact their relationships with women? And I I researched everything from uh, the Willie Lynch letter of 1712 all the way to slavery and uh, the civil rights movement and pulled all of these people out and figured out that there was a need and the need was connected to my own personal pain, fatherlessness. And as I began to tap into the, the need for fathers, we created this movement, which is a, a youth empowerment program, um, not only just a youth empowerment program, but we're moving into now coaching mothers of, that are raising boys of color by themselves. How do I raise my son? 
what advice could you give me to raising this boy that's acting up at 12 years old and I don't know what to do with him? How should I handle him? Right. And we're also moving also into training fathers that want to get back into the lives of their families. How do they do that? So we're definitely a male movement, an identity movement, uh, but we deal with the importance of mentorship and fatherlessness in the lives of our young men. I think about the um, impact of someone who has had a distorted perspective of their identity and it's tied to a broken relationship what are a few of the key um, elements, nuggets, advice that you are providing um, both? So I'm going to do a two-parter. The advice that you are giving to the fathers who are no longer connected to their families and the mothers who don't have a male in the household. Mm -hmm. So when you're dealing with fathers that want to get back into the lives of their children, I I think um, and I've seen that oftentimes we look at the need for sons uh, to have fathers. They they need their fathers in their life, but the fathers need their sons just as much. We don't talk about that as much. Right. Because while the son uh, was given to the father, That was a gift to the father and the father, even though um, they may not be active, there's a piece of them that's torn away from them. And a lot of times I've seen a lot of men don't know how to get back into the lives of their families. They're afraid, they're prideful, and they don't know how to attack fear the right way. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so how do I even court my son? Because a lot of fathers want to get back into the lives and say, hey, I'm your daddy. But you have to regain that respect and touch the heart because in reality, the son wants you around. You don't have to do too much. But if you become forceful and try to become dominant, they will reject you because they rejecting anything that resembles authority because that's the sacred place that their father was supposed to be in. And now they had to assume that throne. This is why they rebel against mothers so much, because the father isn't around to have that type of balance that's needed for them to relinquish their own power and follow. And even when the father comes back around, you got to be able to court your son. You got to be able to win him over. And that takes people skills. That takes social skills. That takes social emotional health. That, that's the EQ. You need to have good emotional intelligence on how to deal with your son. Similar to mothers, mothers have felt for so long that they needed to be the father and the mother. And one of the things that I tell them, you cannot be the father and mother. You have to be the mother because you were created to be the mother. So while it be the best version of the mother that you can be, and I understand contextually what they're referring to, that I had to do everything. And I hate that. But I I often encourage them to get to a point of self-discovery because it's important that they discover themselves. And as a result of that, they can be able to move forward with or without the male and be more of a healthy individual to the lives of their sons in the lives of their sons. This has been I I feel like the ability to help 
a father who also probably had their own narrative mm-hmm. that that wasn't healed, that then mm-hmm. got replicated in their own family, to be able to give them the opportunity to be vulnerable enough to recognize I'm going to have to be something that I didn't necessarily receive, but begin to learn the skill set of how to offer something that's going to be restorative to the son or the daughter who um, I actually created a void in. It's just such a powerful mental image um, Mm -hmm. that really just for me, again, echoes our theme. Um, to be bold enough to to be that change, to be that brave element, the the beauty of that shift in the cycle, and mm-hmm. the black story that mm-hmm. is just absolutely needs healing. Mm-hmm. So we only have about fifteen minutes, and there's so much I want to talk about. So you mm-hmm. referenced the narrative for males without fathers and you promised that you would give us some nuggets for why is a father so important in the life of a daughter so in my research right and i I didn't think you was going to pull it back up i thought you were going to forget but you didn't no but uh (laughs) (laughs) because you saw me perk up when you said i did wait a minute we can get more than one thing accomplished. I here. know. <laughs> That's wild. I know. So um, one of the people that I pulled from from my research was Dr. Joanza Kanjufu, right? And Dr. Joanza Kanjufu is a prolific author and teacher and educator specifically in the areas of the black male, um, the black family uh, as well, finances for the black male, finances for the black family type of situation. And one of the things that he wrote in his book was that uh, young men that grow up without fathers turn to violence and guns. And women that grow up without fathers turn to promiscuity. Mm-hmm. This is what they he said. And naturally, when I'm out here mentoring all these young men and being in the lives of these young men, it trickles into women. Now, I'm looking down the line to create something for women as well, a different part of the ID movement that specifically helps young women with the same problem, right? Um, And maybe I'll have my wife do that. I'll have somebody else do that type of situation, you know. But, uh, you know, I've realized that a lot of women go on uh, the journey of searching for that male. Even in medicine and science, it says statistically that women start their cycle earlier than women that have fathers in their lives. Women that don't have fathers in their lives start their cycle earlier because it is literally their body calling out for a male figure. Mm. I, that that, blew, that blew my mind. That right there, <laughs> that right there is powerful. Wow. I know. And it blew my mind when I read, I said, are you kidding me? Mm. And then I look at certain people and certain women and the young, and I've seen a lot of younger ones starting their cycle earlier, mm-hmm. and they don't have dads in their lives. And medically, 
their body and scientifically is calling out for that male figure, even if it's in the form of a mate, because they want him around. Um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> wow. So it, it just and and guests know that inevitably within every one of these flip side conversations, I end up talking about the brain. And mm-hmm. when we recognize how when we think that emotions and things that we ruminate uh, enter into our mind, that it just stays in our mind. But the brain is the hub for your entire body, nervous system, your organs, mm-hmm. your immune system. It is all tied together. And you just painted a picture of a mental yearning mm. that literally runs through the entire body Mm-hmm. And the body is crying out from something that the mind is asking for, that the mind mm-hmm. needs. And it just takes me back to the word again on the the power of renewing our mind, mm-hmm. the importance of making and, and having and establishing healthy relationships that Christ absolutely reflected in, in mm-hmm. every interaction he had. Mm-hmm. It it's just oh oh that that was just that was gold that was gold right yeah. there I'm so glad I, I'm so glad I remember you remember <laughs> I was like she don't I'm forget so no I'm not no I would not <laughs> so y- you are doing a lot of work you are creating mm-hmm. an entire movement how can we as a community of leaders actually become a part of this movement? and improve the lives of um, the children and youth who are crying out. Yeah, I, I think at this point, we are in an expansion mode with the ID movement. It's been around since 2014. So we're, we're approaching our 10-year anniversary next year. And um, we've gone through a lot of changes, moments I wanted to stop. But, you know, the passion pulled me back, you know. And... Um, and I, I continue to do it because I see the fruit of it. And, you know, the interesting thing about fruit is it starts with the seed. And as you drop the seed, there's a thing called seed time and then harvest. And people give up in the time piece of that, the time season. And so um, as I'm dropping these seeds in these young men, um, I expect to not just see fruit immediately, but really to see fruit down the line. Um, and so... My job is to be a seed planter, just to plant as many seeds as I can and just pray and hope that down the line, the fruit will manifest Um, as they continue to water that. And I hope to continue to be in the lives, which I am with a lot of these young men. Um, But but ways to help um, is to help push whatever we're doing. I mean, we do so many different things, you know, to connect us definitely on our social platforms. So when we are doing something, you can be aware of it. That is on Facebook, we're on YouTube, we have our conversations on YouTube platform, on Instagram, um, Facebook. And uh, that's that's how we do a lot of our pushing and promoting. We release several books that we pull different uh, fathers from the city that have been influential in the city. And they write letters to the next generations about their highs and lows in life their leadership gems, um, and then the sons write letters even back to the fathers. It's, it's an interesting situation. Uh, we just did a conversation with the mothers. So this is how I know women are coming as well, not aligned with this. Um, it, it, so, so that's really how 
people can jump on board, help push uh, uh, push the, the narrative, um, jump into the lives of somebody and just, just tell them that you love them. Spend a little time with them. I mean, even if it's a phone call a week, hey, I'm just calling to check in on you. That goes so far in the lives of young people because they just, they're trying to navigate life and they don't understand life. And if somebody is just there to tell them, hey man, I love you, I'm thinking about you, how's school, you doing okay? They will change, I've seen it happen. Guys that have come into my program that have been arrested, have broken other people's jaws in fights, have, have almost been killed themselves, and now in school, now in church, now doing what they're supposed to do in life because somebody tapped into their pain, tapped into their purpose, and just decided to help somebody. And so that's how you can pass that on. I think about the earlier story that really just gave me pause. Um, and that that was the educator. So we are in... I'm currently near the Philadelphia area, and and we have such um, a level of violence among our young people, and we have a strained and exhausted educational system. What advice or feedback or reflection would you add for educators to understand the lens that fatherless children are looking through? Um, as, as educators, um, I understand the challenge of educators. I've taught in schools as well. So I understand it is extremely overworked, extreme, extremely underpaid. Um, in a lot of ways, not valued at the at the way you should be. So a lot of teachers are experiencing just levels of burnout that they have not experienced before. Um, and you're dealing with a generation that seemingly is getting worse, right? And so the burnout comes quicker and you don't understand the why. I would say to make sure that you understand your own pain, and reference back to where you were, because it's easy for us to forget and think because we're often just prisoners of the moment. We think that, you know, life is the way it is now and this is the way it's always been. And the truth is, it's not. We don't have good memory. You know, we don't have good <laughs> reflection don't. skills. And so we, we, we tend to forget that 20 years ago we was that bad kid, too. <laughs> and that to understand people's process and their journey. And that it takes time. It's seed, time, then harvest. And who you are today is not who you've always been. And you had to get here. And if we reflect back, we never got here alone. Somebody along the way poured the right uh, things into us, uh, nudged us and said some encouraging words on our journey. I'm sure we would look back and think of plenty of situations and people that have helped us. I would say be that person in the lives of that young person, whether it's a male or a female, right? Be the disruptor of pain, right? So be the one that stands in the gap and says, hey, I know you're going through stuff you can't explain right now, but I'm here for you. They will laugh and still act out, but I guarantee you they'll love you. 
all the way through the shift moment in your answer for me, which I think mm-hmm. is a, a hard step for many, is mm-hmm. beginning to recognize what in that child or student's behavior is a mm-hmm. trigger to your own pain. Mm-hmm. And if we begin to recognize and be willing to unpack and process, why is it every time Jehoshaphat does this, that you almost lose it, is being willing to understand why is that a trigger for me so that I can move past the stuck place of that pain and literally, as you shared earlier, process that thing so that my goal of my passion could be in Jehoshaphat and exactly. keep showing up because exactly. it's my time for that passion to be released. Exactly. Instead of of blaming him, be like, oh, you're the key. (laughs) Yes, he's there for us. Jehoshaphat, Joe, Joey, (laughs) he's there for us. Like, like, and I I hate to jump in, but a lot of times we pray for God to move our mountains, right? But God is saying, I'm not going to move that mountain, right? I'm using that mountain to change you. And so we need to take on these points, pain points, even currently as adults, Mm -hmm. as learning curves and learning opportunities and learning to pivot and adjust to what am I trying, what what, what is God trying to teach me right now? Because Joey is here for me just as much as I'm here for him. Yes. That takes a a lot of vulnerability for an adult Mm-hmm. to reconcile that within themselves. So that that's mm-hmm. that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. But yeah. we are getting to a place where the um the old quote that says um until pain the pain outweighs the pain of change it what is the quote? Mm-hmm. Until the pain of change outweighs the pain of staying the same, you won't. Mm. And I feel like we are getting to that place where there in each of our lives, we have to reconcile that, that, that teeter totter of the pain of staying the same is outweighing that pain of change Mm -hmm. and it is time to embrace that we have to be willing to do something different even if it is uncomfortable we are at less than two minutes of mm-hmm. our conversation. And I tell you, I know you have given a flip to many people as, the, as they have <laughs> listened. Mm-hmm. I'm curious for you to just kind of close out um, with mm-hmm. any closing thoughts on what you hope people will walk away with as they listen to this, I'm sure, more than once. Yeah. Well, first of all, Dr. V, your platform is amazing. Thank you so much for um, allowing me on. It's an honor for me to be here. And your audience is awesome as they listen as well. So um, 
some things that I would just leave again, the importance of um, not being afraid to tackle your pain, acknowledge your pain, embrace the pain, don't run from it. It's there to make you into who you're supposed to be. And you're not too old to become who you're destined to be. People, some people may feel like that they're too old. Uh, no, it's, if, you, if you touch that pain even right now and begin that healing process, begin that rediscovery process, you will realize that you will, uh, the time will turn around and you, you will actually begin to regain certain levels of your youth because of passion and life will come back into you again. So I would encourage people to discover their pain develop their passion, and it's going to lead to their purpose, which is found in the journey, not the destination. Yes. So with all of that, the wealth of inspiration, information, nuggets, insights that you have provided, I know people want you to repeat again where they can find you on Mm. all of the social media platforms. Yeah, um, Instagram, Dr. John Tyus, D-R-J-O-H-N-T-Y-U-S. Um, that's on Facebook, that's on YouTube, that's on Instagram, Twitter, um, all of those. Um, the ID Movement on Facebook, um, the ID Movement on YouTube, ID Movement on Instagram as well. Um, and, and we're still in the process of developing and relaunching our websites. So the best way to reach me is those platforms as well. Um, even if you want to look at certain books, we, we're on Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com. Just type in Dr. John Tyson. You'll see our books that we've written as well um, with much, much, many more rather to come for sure. Yes. Thank you so much for wrapping up our theme um, for the month of February, um, celebrating all things bold, black and beautiful. And the stories that we have shared, you you literally capped it all off with, with reminding us that our pain can lead us to our passion and we can then walk into our purpose. And as many of our other guests have shared, ultimately, this is all about leaving a legacy that goes beyond us. So... I hope you have all enjoyed this journey with us this month. Please remember to like, to share, to continue to invite others into the flip side conversation so that not only are you gaining the nuggets, but you are absolutely being able to impact a greater audience with tools that are specifically here for our healing. So stay connected and we will connect with you again. Same time, same place right here on the flip side. Thank you for tuning into Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific time and 5 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.